0: You're listening to the Daily Mishnah Podcast with Benedict. So we've been running for a while with uh, these Mishnayot, which are all variously connected to eating and carrying. And of course, eating and carrying, those are the two activities which are different on Shabbat and on Yom Tov. Yeah, Shabbat is like Yom Tov except for eating and carrying. Of course, it's different tomorrow because tomorrow is both Shabbat and Yom Tov. So we're going through these Mishnayot, and we've noticed that they are loosely associated. So very often, the end point of one Mishnah is going to be is going to give a mental connection to the beginning point of the following Mishnah. And we've noticed this pattern. By the way, I would say for three or four. I must have mentioned this three or four times in the last in, in the last week or so. It's a very, very seems to be a very common pattern in these chapters, and we mentioned before. It's you see this pattern into Tehillim over the the holiday. I definitely recommend just looking at Ashray and just trying to see how the back half of one verse links into the front half of the one that follows it, and how it it work goes up like a ladder in that fashion. Now we close the fourth Mishnah in the fifth chapter of Beitsa with a question about borrowing water. We're going to borrow water to um, we're going to borrow water to make dough and the question arose as to okay where can you carry that dough because the flour might belong to one person and the water might belong to somebody else and essentially the Mishnah says look you know you have to observe the restrictions of both individuals because that is shared dough but Rabbi Yudah disagrees Rabbi Yudah says Rabbi Yudah poter he exempts because he says bahen mamash. there's no substance in water lending out water just doesn't it doesn't have any meaning because water doesn't have any substance now We're going to carry on now with the fifth Mishnah, in the case of another object, which doesn't have any substance. And this object is the direct opposite of the water. It is fire. Obviously a burning object has substance because the object itself, right, is a real object. But the flame, does the flame have substance? That is the question that the Mishnah is going to investigate. Hagachled karaglia ba'alim, a live coal is like the feet of the owners. In other words, we can carry it around, but within whatever Shabbat limit the owners are subject to. So, if I have made an eruv and it's my coal, I can take it within the eruv I have set. If my um, my friend has made a different eruv, well. He can't carry it in his era of because it's my coal that coal only moves in my era of even if he's carrying it and by the way it could have been pretty common by in time time of the Mishnah if we don't have matches and we've already established the fact that we're not going to create a new fire on Yom Tov carrying a coal to start a fire might have been quite a usual thing to do. Um, so probably very likely you know very possible that a friend could have knocked on the door of my house and said look can i borrow a coal because i need to start a fire very very common occurrence but anyway the coal belongs to the owner um, but what about the flame shall the flame can be taken anywhere i.e if my neighbor had knocked on my door with a candle and said, can I light my candle from your coal? And then walked off with the flame, i.e. with the candle. He can walk wherever he likes. That's essentially within his reshut. Taking a flame from my fire is not considered something of substance. It's like the water. It has no substance. I mean, you could say economically it has substance because... He's carrying a fire. He's carrying fire from my fire, but he's lit his candle. So just like the water and the opinion of Rabbi who died has no substance, I shall shall have it. the flame can be taken anywhere, and we'll see the same. Now we're going to go sort of go sideways onto issues of trespass. What if you stole or misused or accidentally took? A coal or a flame belonging to the baby dush, Gachelet shall Hekdesh Moalimba, a live coal of sanctified property, is subject to Meila. That means it, Meila is a technical word for basically trespass and holy property. But we have to bring a special Asham, and we have to rectify it. We have to bring a special guilt offering. In other words, the coal has substance. This shall have it Lo VeLo moalin. With respect to a flame. We don't derive benefit from it, so okay. So you couldn't, you shouldn't really walk to the temple with your candle and light it from the altar flame. You're not supposed to benefit from a fire going on in the temple. But if you do that, if you do that, lot more There's no trespass. You're not considered to have stolen something from the temple. You don't have to bring an asham. You don't have to bring a, a guilt offering. And similarly, hamotzi gacheret rabbim chayav shall have it patur. This is on Shabbat, by the way. Someone who brings a live coal out into the public property is chayav. Has to bring a sin offering because he's carried in the public on Shabbat. shall have it patur, and a flame somehow doesn't. He's not with with a flame he's, he's exempt now how you bring a flame into public property without actually bringing the candle out is not quite clear gahati suggests maybe you blow it maybe you blow over the border from public to private but it seems it's a slightly weird analogy and it's very interesting by the way that this part of the mission are applying to shabbat is not in our manuscript, it's not in Kaufman. I, I brought it to you just because it's in the printed text, but it's not in Kaufman, the rift doesn't mention it, the Meiri doesn't mention it, other commentators don't mention it. So it seems to have crept in somehow to the text, at least to the printed text of our Mishnah, but it's not in the manuscripts. So let's go on to other things that may or may not have substance. Bor Shelyachid Karagla Yachid, someone who owns a well. The well uh, an individual's well is like the feet of the individual. And of course, this applies to water coming out of the well. So the, if you want to carry the water on Tov, it depends on the air of the person who owns the well. But if, if it's a town, well, it's like the feet of the people in that town, which I presume would mean a minimal distance and if it belong if it's one of those set up by the ole bavel that the, the ole bavel were those who came up from babylon and i think they actually established wells on the way so as to help other travelers on the road i think that's the meaning of the wells belonging to those who came up from babylon it's an amazing idea really these people are coming from babylon they're coming to eret israel And in order to make the the way, just like setting up base camp and first camp and second camp on Mount Everest, in order to make it possible for others to follow them, they're going to dig wells on their way. Really interesting that the Mishnah is thinking about returning to the land of Israel as it closes the tractate. So, bavel b'avelka raglehemumaleh. A well from those who came up from Babylon is like the feet of the person who fills, i.e., fills the bucket, in other words, drawing the water. So this water is considered hefker, it has no owner, and anyone can take it. And by the way, if you held that um, a hefker object actually establishes its own place on Shabbat, then you would disagree with this Mishnah. I think Yonatan ben Nuri, I think Yochanan ben Nuri disagrees with this Mishnah. But if you consider something hefker to be Ownerless and placeless, then you can draw the water from it, and then you can take it within your own two thousand. What about if you had your produce in another town? Someone who had his produce in another town, but the inhabitants of that the inhabitants of that city made an error of in order to bring to him of his produce so they make an error to bring my produce to him and the Mishnah says Loyavilo. they can't do that and of course from everything we know well of course not because it's not their produce it's my produce the The pro, produce is going to be like if you like my legs and their of has no impact on my legs so they can't do that but the Ve'im era, Ve'im who But if he himself made an heir of, then his produce is like himself. In other words, I can make an heir of to carry my fruit around. I can't make an heir of to carry someone else's fruit around. The heir of has to go with the ownership of the fruit or the produce. And then, so what if I gave someone some food? What if I gave someone some food on Yom Tov? Misha or orchim, someone who invited guests to their home. And from context, by the way, this is obviously guests who are coming from another city via an erroth. And in just I wasn't sure you'd believe me if I said that, and I actually brought the bar to Nora just below, just to prove that that's what we're talking about. Because this mishnah makes no sense otherwise. We know perfectly well you can send food and and you, we can send portions to your friends. Uh, you know, you you can send portions to your friends and neighbours on Yomtov. But this is different. Someone who invited guests to their home from far away, they've come via an Erev Lo manot. He can't send away portions with them. Ela'im Kenzi kalahem Yom Tov unless he assigned them their portions on the eve of Yomtov. Because they came via the Erev so they can't take my portions. They can take their stuff, but they can't take my stuff in their air So maybe if I, for example, assign to them remotely the portions before Yom Tov, then they'd own the portions. <laughs> I could say, oh yeah, that lump of meat is for that person, and I actually assigned someone to make a Kinyan. And then I suppose they would own it before they made their eruv, and then everything will be fine. But Otherwise, they can't take away portions with them. And of course, this is, again, we need to think back to the life of the Mishnah, just as carrying a coal might have been incredibly important. Carrying food was probably incredibly important too, because, I mean, today, if there's leftover food, we just put it in the fridge or the freezer, but they didn't have fridges. So if there was leftover food, you'd give it to your guests to take home. Absolutely. And then finally, here the Mishnah closes. I'm not quite sure why the Mishnah closes here. We don't water and slaughter field animals. This is on etabayatot. But we do water and slaughter domesticated animals. The connection between watering and slaughtering is a bit obscure. There's a suggestion in the Rambam that... Um, it might make them easier to flay, easier to skin if they if they had a good drink before they're killed. Or maybe it helps, you know, um, maybe it helps check for blemishes. Not sure about, I mean, the, the connection is obscure anyway. There might be different reasons for it. But essentially, a, a wild animal, a field animal is not considered to be designated to be prepared for Yomtev. Because we haven't gone out and said, I'm going to... I'm going to slaughter that animal. Remember with the dovka, the guy goes to the, do- the owner goes to the dovka and says, I'm going to eat these three doves on Tov." He designates them. And if a fourth one flies in, it's a big problem. But domesticated animals seem to be different. It seems like a domesticated animal is assumed to be prepared for bayatot. These are domesticated animals. Hala, not year. If they sleep in town, they're domesticated. If they sleep in your house, if you've got the goat sleeping in your house, it's domesticated. It's assumed to be ready for Yom Meat bariot, hala, not ba afar. The domesticated ones, the the field animals, are the ones that sleep in the meadow or in the in the afar. Literally means the dirt. They they sleep out there in the field anyway, in the meadow. And that is the it's a. Puzzling end. That is a slightly puzzling end to the Mishnah of Beitzah, but anyway, we are for, we are circling round the issues of eating and carrying, which are the two essential qualities of Yom Tov. And I hope you know uh, we can eat and carry this upcoming Yom Tov. And remember that um, carrying is in a really really important part of the Mishnah of Shabbat. It occupies about half the Mishnah of Shabbat. So we shouldn't be surprised that the rabbis come back to it when they're discussing the rules of Yom Tov. That is the end of the tractate of Beit alan. We will return to you tractate Beit Sa and you will return to us. Our mind is on you tractate Beit Sa, certainly through the next few days and your mind is on us. We will not forget you, Tractate Beitza, and you will not forget us. Not in this world, and not in the next world. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Daily Mishnah Podcast with Benedict.